From the Raptors to homegrown talent in high school, the NCAA, and around the NBA, Toronto basketball fans, this is your home court with Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, and Josh Lewinberg on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. Welcome inside the TSN 1050 Sport Check Studios. Josh Lewenberg, Dwayne Watson, Megan McPeak. Really great show for you. Raptors analyst Jack Armstrong will join us. Former Toronto Raptor Louis Scola will be joining us. And ESPN NBA reporter Dave McMiniman. He'll be able to give us more insight and kind of break down this huge matchup in the second round that the Raptors will now face in LeBron James and company in Cleveland with Game 1 going on Monday at 7 p.m. Coverage will begin at 7 right here on TSN 1050. Myself and the guys will have you covered. Before we go to Jonesy in the queue, the Raptors get the closeout in. I know you guys had the game in, in quite exciting fashion, if you will, if, if that's a word we can use for <laughs> the way that that game went. Never a dull <laughs> moment, Megan. <Yeah. laughs> But they, nonetheless, they, they, took, they eventually took care of business, got stops and made plays down the stretch when needed, got the W in Milwaukee, closed out in six. They now have a couple days off. Obviously, they'll have practices, but they give themselves at least four to eight hours before they head to Cleveland and take on LeBron James on, you know, eight or nine days of rest. They never make it easy for themselves. Um, that's the thing. It's like you're not sure how this team is going to perform. Obviously, up 25, it felt really good, but we know enough to get, you know, Knowing that lead is not going to be able to sustain it, but the fact that we witnessed it whittle away and whittle away and whittle away, and they actually gave up the lead at one point, um, was a concern, but they did finish and take care of business, and having closing the series early is good for them, especially when they get that rest. And they passed their first test, albeit in, I guess, unspectacular right. fashion. Well, spectacular, but in different ways than we might have hoped. Yeah. Um, but that was what was expected of them, to get through uh, round one, now here they are, and this is where they'll be judged. Yep. Um, it, it, they have to go through Cleveland. Anyone has to go through Cleveland to get to the finals. Uh, if the Raptors are going to take the next step, although this isn't the conference finals, this might as well be. Yep. Uh, this is what they've spent the last year preparing for, what they've been waiting for, what they've built this team for. It's with the Cavaliers and LeBron James in mind so we're gonna find out a whole lot about what this team is made of over the next couple of weeks yeah and I, I i know you guys had the game and i was i was watching on my phone while watching the 905 and i was like like it was like mid third quarter for raptors bucks and i think our fourth quarter was just about to start and i was like oh 26 points like we got this i can turn it <laughs> off i turn it off i you know i go do a couple things and i'm getting ready to go to the locker room for the celebration and, and be prepared for the guys to come back there. And I happened to see the monitor that 905 GM Dan Tolzman was watching. And I looked down and I was like, we're down two? What <laughs> happened? And he was just like, the look on his face was just like, it was kind of like the, you know, his look was like, here what, we what, here we go what do you again. Think happened like yep. we did we did exactly what we would do. Well, um, we had the great juxtaposition <laughs> of uh, the baby Raptors pouring champagne on each other and you on one TV, <laughs> and then we had the grown up Raptors just hanging on for dear life yeah. on the on the other screen directly next to it. Uh, yeah, I mean that was an interesting night. You know, I think you look at it, obviously last year we talked about the seven game series that happened. Right. I mean, this was a pretty big. It wasn't a total collapse because they ended up winning, but 
Are we going to remember the fact that they were up 25 and came back? It's like they finished in six, which is good. And as you mentioned, this is the conference finals. This is what they built their whole season on. And I mean, may as well get out of the way. I mean, if they, if they went a different way and they played Washington or whomever before they got to Cleveland, this is the real test for this team. Well, that's just it. They control their own narrative, right? Yeah. I mean, we would have been talking, we'd still be talking right now about game three of the first round yeah. if, if games four, five, and six exactly. didn't go well. But they turned the narrative. If they battle hard with, with Cleveland. If it's a competitive series, win or lose, we're not going to be talking about what happened in game six, the near collapse. But if that near collapse leads to something um, right. worse, then all of a sudden that's the, that's the turning point, but right? you mentioned narrative, though. I mean, would the narrative be different going into the series if the Raps wrote 25 and only gave up 10 points that 25-point lead as opposed to losing it? Because I think a lot of people feel more confident for this team going in against Cleveland if they you know, took care of business in that game, closed them out, and didn't yeah. surrender the lead. No, they're, they're, people are a little bit uneasy, but I think that could be said of both sides. It's hard to yeah. say what to expect from either team right now. Right. I mean, we know the Cavaliers are a proven commodity in yep. the NBA, as, are, as is LeBron James, obviously, but there were those questions going into the playoffs. Yep. There were sort of two schools of thought, the people that believed that the Cavaliers were vulnerable, especially on the defensive end. A and then there were people that believed, that were confident that once the playoffs began, they would flip that switch. And the first round didn't really do much to prove either of those theories correct, at least yeah. not definitively. Yeah. They got their sweep, which is all well and good, but they uh, allowed 100 or more points in all four games. All four games were, were really close. close. Yeah, they had to fight for it. So... Uh, I'm, I'm still not sure what version of the Cavaliers we're going to see, and I'm certainly not sure what version <laughs> of the Raptors we're going to see in Game 1. This is why we play, as they say. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Looking back on Game 6, Dwayne, I'll go to you first. Your plus for the Toronto Raptors and what you saw in Game 6. Um, a man who could have been much maligned if the, the series went a different way, uh, Coach Casey. Um, obviously, the adjustment of putting... They needed to make a change, obviously, after Game 3, um, after that performance. And, you know, Coach Casey is a guy who likes to stick with his veteran guys. Right. Those who don't like Damari Carroll are quick to comment all season. Uh, and putting Norm in the starting lineup. And we talked about this in the very show in terms of when that, and that's what happened. And we had our theories in which way it would go, and it went a totally different way. And it was the right way, obviously. So I think the fact that he made the adjustment, I think the fact that he's making adjustments a little bit quicker and not hanging on to guys long enough has been key. And obviously, they had three wins to show for it. Well, perfect segue for me because I'm going Norm with my plus. And as you mentioned, it, it was a week ago. At this time, we were here. The, the mood and the vibe was uh, much different, dark, yes. ominous coming off of that Game 3 debacle. And we knew there'd be a change. We were surprised by the Norm uh, adjustment. We figured it would be Tucker mm -hmm. in for Damari Carroll. I, I think in hindsight, the Norm adjustment looks a lot more obvious yeah. given the results right. than it was at the time. I think we all hoped that Casey would find a way to get Norm in the rotation. We just didn't necessarily see him starting. So uh, credit your plus, Dwayne Casey, yeah. on making the change. But Norm comes in and completely shifted uh, the tempo of the series. Yeah. He was a breath of fresh air, gave them that jolt, that boost that they, they desperately needed. He helped spread the floor uh, and take pressure off of Lowry and DeRozan, which I think you, you see the result in DeRozan's game from game four on. He was much better. And uh, Powell, uh, mature beyond his years as always, not phased by the moment or the big stage. Uh, he was excellent in, in the series. Now the question shifts to the second round for Norm. Where does he factor yeah. in to this Cavaliers series? Uh, I would be shocked 
if he remains in the starting lineup. It's, it's just a matchup thing. Uh, you, you need Jonas Valanciunas in there against Tristan Thompson. They didn't have JV in most of the series last year, and they got out-rebounded yeah. by 45. Uh, Kevin Love, also an excellent rebounder. So you, you've got Ibaka on Love, JV on, on Tristan. And, I, I mean... You need Damari yeah. Carroll or P.J. Tucker against LeBron. Norm is just giving up too much yep. size and strength. So Norm almost certainly goes back to the bench, but I would hope that Casey finds a way to keep him in this rotation because he's more than earned a regular role on this team. Yeah, much credit to Norm because, I mean, early in the season after Terrence Ross departed, the logical progression is that Norm's going to step in and be that right. guy. And he wasn't really that guy that was on the playoff last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he stepped in and assumed that role and was, you know, a key reason why the team got up. Double digits affected the, the floor on both, both ends and the three-point shooting as well. We obviously have to talk about the bad with the good. Your minus Mine's, mine's not that bad. Mine is the bench scoring in the, in the, over the last three games. 73-66, uh, to 66, the Raptors were outscored. Uh, in game five when the starters had a very balanced attack. They were scored 12 to 24. So it's not really knocking them, but the bench scoring has to be key in this series against the Cavs because we know the big three, we know the Raptors big two, but I I give the edge to the Raptors supporting unit, but they have to step up. I mean, Corey's averaged five points, the Pats averaged four points in the playoffs so far. They need more of an effort from these guys in the next series. Especially too when you look at what LeBron was able to do in a closeout game with the bench unit against Indiana. Yep. yep. We lived the full Raptors experience <laughs> in round one. We saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, of course, being uh, parts of games two and four, most of game five, and then the first 30 minutes or so of game six until the collapse, the bad being game one, and the ugly, of yep. course, game three, and what was a 34-7 to Bucks run in game six. Uh, my minus this week is the ugly because the Raptors are not going to be able to get away with any ugly against the Cavaliers. Maybe you can get away with a little bad, but it's got to be a (laughs) lot of good and and no ugly. Uh, The the room for error against the Cavaliers is almost zero. Uh, As I was saying, as I wrote about yesterday as well, uh, the Cavs, even in their worst-case scenario, we know they're really good. And yep. the Raptors can be really good as well, but that's closer to their best-case scenario. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's obvious reasons to get up for a series like this. Maybe the Raptors look at the fact that Cleveland centrally tanked the last couple games of the season, which sets up this rematch of the conference finals a couple weeks earlier than a lot of people expected. Maybe they take that personally, but at this point in the season... Do you really need the bulletin board material? Do you need the added motivation? Again, this matchup, more than anything else, the task at hand is what should bring out the best in the Raptors. And if we don't see the best of the Raptors, we're not going to be seeing the Raptors for very much longer. You're right, though. Margin for error is so slim against the team with the Cavaliers who know what to do and live for this, live for getting back to the NBA Finals. The Raptors have to bring their best, period. Do you, does it frustrate you? that the Raptors seem to play up and play down to the competition. I know no, teams I love can it. do it. Or <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think like I think we're used to it at this point. Yeah. You're right, and I think that's the thing. I think they're going to play up to the level of the Cavaliers, which they need to, which without question. They played down the level of the Bucks, but they need to play their best basketball. And now that they've got the pieces, we talked about this around the trade deadline, around Paul Millsap, and when Ibaka and Tucker came, we said, do we think this team is going to, like, this team has the Cavs? No, but we think this is the best team they've created. 
to counter the Cavs and LeBron James. Yeah, well, win or lose, they've got to compete hard in this series. And there can't, again, there can't be moments of ugly. So right. even though, I mean, it was great last year, the Raptors took two games from the Cavaliers. That's two more games than anyone expected them to get. But they got annihilated in all four losses, yeah. including right. the three in Cleveland. And that can't happen yeah. because even if, let's say the Raptors don't win this series, Let's say it goes six games again. It will be really hard to look back at that and say, well, this is progress exactly. if they get crushed in those four losses exactly. again. If they lose in six games and each game is hard, um, competitive yep. basketball that goes down to the wire, then I think you look back, even if they don't get back to the conference finals, because, again, I don't think that matters. No, you, you, it's, Cleveland. It's, it's all about yeah. the, the series against Cleveland. If it's a hard-fought series, I, I think you can live with it yeah. either way. We continue on here on home court. We'll talk Raptors and Cavs, and we'll get the poll questions. Do remember at 2 p.m., former Toronto Raptor Luis Scola will join us. We'll get his insight. He's gone up against this team. He was on the team last year. We'll get what he has to say and, birthday, and what he thinks about it. Birthday boy in a few hours. He That's turns oh, okay. 37 years old tomorrow. Wow. So tomorrow here will be early, later than what it would be if he is overseas, if I'm oh, not Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but we continue, I'll get my time zone <laughs> calculator up. <laughs> we continue on here on Home Court. Keep it locked on TSN 1050. It's time for Home Court. Contested shots on TSN 1050. The voice of Toronto basketball. Welcome back to Home Court. Downtown Toronto just steps from the Air Canada Centre as we... Do every week. Josh Lewinberg likes to tweet out a couple poll questions. You can head over to at JLU1050 and get your votes in. This week's home court poll question What is your Raptors slash Cavaliers series prediction? Cavs in four or five, Raptors in four or five, Cavs in six or seven, or Raps in six or seven. Raps fans are pretty optimistic. They're going 55% with Raps in six or seven. Yeah, I'm guessing I don't have a lot of Cavaliers fans following me. <laughs> <laughs> not. The people are optimistic. Hey, the Raptors can win this series. I, I, my pick would probably be Cavs in six. But the Raptors can win this series. The only thing is there, there's a lot more that needs to go right for the Raptors to win than for the Cavs to win. There's so many variables. Uh, Kyle Lowry, what condition is he in physically? Because I think for the Raptors to win this series, he's got to go uh, vintage Kyle Lowry. He, he has to go K-Low on, uh, on the Cavs. Uh, K-Low, K-Low, whatever. Um, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he was excellent towards the, the latter half of the first round series against Milwaukee. Can he carry over uh, that and build on it even if he's finding himself in a matchup face-to-face -face with LeBron James? You've got the uh, trio of uh, Damari Carroll, P.J. Tucker, Patrick Patterson. Uh, did the, the, the two-week experience experience of uh, wrestling with the Greek freak prepare them for what's to come against the king uh, the Raptors will they hold up on the road something that they didn't do last year you've got the defense uh, I mean the Raptors showed they could defend through stretches in the first round but this is a whole another animal uh, right. the degree of difficulty here against this cast team is so much tougher I mean with the Bucks they were so good in the paint that you could say okay well clog the lane right. 
force them outside, and if they beat you with the three, they beat you with the three. You can't say that with the Cavs because they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA. Second during the season in makes, second in percentage. They can beat you just about anywhere on the floor, so their defense is going to be tested. Uh, and to me, that's what it comes down to. If the Raptors can defend at a high level for however long this series goes, they'll have a good shot because, you know, I mean, the Cavaliers' defense isn't what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, that, I believe, are they vulnerable? I don't know, but their defense certainly seems vulnerable. They were second last in the NBA after All-Star. Again, they allowed 100 or more points in all four games in the first round sweep. So the Raptors are going to be able to score against them. Can they stop them? That's the key. I mean, defense is unquestionably the key. And in, in the, in the playoffs, um, the scoring isn't as, as free as it is before. They averaged 110 points during the season. Their offense isn't an issue. They can shoot the ball. That's great. But the Raptors, I give them the edge in the defensive end, of course. But you're right. A lot of things have to work and be perfect for this team to win. I'm saying Raptors, if it goes seven, I think the Raptors got a shot at taking it. But Kevin L Kyle Lowry is the difference. He's the yep. guy that has to be the vintage player that he is. And I think on the other end, Kyrie Irving, I mean, LeBron James is going to be LeBron. Those guys are going to throw everything at him. But I think Kyrie Irving is the guy who can shoot from distance, get to the basket. He's a bit of a difference maker for them. I think I like the Serge Ibaka, Kevin Love cancel out, but Kyrie's going to be the key. So whether it's Corey Joseph coming in playing D, DeLon Wright using his length, there's going to be some adjustments there, but they have to punish them on the offensive end because their defense is weak. And yeah, shooters like Kyle Korver and Deron Williams, but those guys are older guys who aren't going to defend. Raptor killer Channing Fry. Of course, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of things have to work in their favor. It's not impossible, though. I think the Kyrie matchup could actually work in favor of Norman Powell with what he's able to do defensively. I think he can disrupt what Kyrie does and slow him down. Um, I mean, it worked, it worked in the Raptors' favor. And I'm superstitious as a former athlete. And I'm going to try it again. Cavs in four or five. Cavs in four or five. <laughs> because her reverse psychology. Oh, I'm, 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 I see I'm, how I'm now <laughs> superstitious. I said Bucks in seven. The Raptors closed it in six. <laughs> so I'm now using the superstition to my advantage and hoping that it goes opposite of what I say. So I'm going Cavs in four or five in hopes that the Raptors can take it. In later what? on. Well, in the, the Raptors... <laughs> just, just get... I, I don't care how many you got to win. Just get the W. Okay. The Raptors appreciate your reverse voodoo <laughs> magic exactly. or whatever. The that works. But no, I agree with both of you that Kyrie and, and, and Kyle Lowry are the difference makers for each side. But I think Norm is who can, who can stop Kyrie or slow him down at least. Because, I mean, it's like LeBron. You can't really stop him. You can just slow him down um, or hope that you can slow him down. I would, I would like that matchup of Norm defending Kyrie Irving. I think these team has to like, you know, we've seen the defensive intensity and grit that they provide. They have to get in the Cavaliers. Like Kyrie, these guys are always complaining about fouls because they tend to get them, but be physical with them. Don't yeah. be dirty, just be in their shirts. And you know, PJ Tucker's going to do that. Serge's going to do that. Kyle, the point guards have to do it as well to Kyrie Irving. Make it tougher for them, and that's going to be the key. And I think the series will test Dwayne Casey again. Uh, mm -hmm. Depth can be both a blessing and a curse. The Raptors are, are certainly better positioned to go up against the Cavaliers this year than last. They've got a lot more options, a lot more different weapons, not only offensively, but defensively, guys, that they can throw at LeBron James, guys, as you mentioned, that you can throw at Kyrie Irving. But uh, Casey's going to have to have a quick hook if something's not working. Yeah. Uh, you've got all these options, but if you throw Damari Carroll at... Uh, LeBron James, which they will do, and a lot of people kind of, I can feel the eyes rolling <laughs> right now. But Damari had good moments 
especially towards the last couple games of that first round series. And while I'm sure a lot of people would love to see Norm on LeBron, I mean, it's not going to work. Not he doesn't work. have the size or the strength yeah. Yeah. or the experience. Damari, it might not work either, but at least he's got all those things. He's big enough, uh, physical enough that maybe he, he makes things difficult for him to a degree as much as you possibly can. Uh, but if that's not working, then you you pull the shoot, you bring in uh, P.J. Tucker, maybe Patrick Patterson. He's, he's got weapons, but um, he's got to be quick with the hook if something's not working. Great. Extra poll question. Which Raptor that did not play or barely played versus the Cavs last year in the Eastern Conference Final will have the biggest impact in this series? Serge, P.J., J.V., or Norm? Right now, Serge is leading the way with 48%, and P.J., is right behind him at 35. Can I say all of the above? They, I mean, they, they all need to have a big impact yeah, yeah. on this series. Uh, you look at Jonas Valanciunas. He wasn't around for most of that Cavaliers uh, series, the conference finals last year. He missed the first four games. He played in the last two, but, uh, I mean, limited minutes and clearly wasn't himself still dealing with that, recovering from that ankle injury. Uh, the Raptors got out-rebounded by 45 in that series. Uh, so even if JV doesn't have a big role offensively uh, in, in this series, even if they're not dumping the ball down to him, I mean, Tristan Thompson uh, is a tough matchup for yep. him. So he, he needs to be physical with him, keep him off the boards. Uh, I think he's going to have a, a big role in this series. And then uh, you've got P.J. Tucker, um, a guy that the Raptors added with a matchup like this in mind, a physical, uh, tough wing player that might be able to slow LeBron James down. Uh, Norman Powell, who barely played in the series last year, uh, we're not sure what his role will be here, but as you were saying, Megan, he can make a difference. I, I would probably go with Serge Ibaka as well, just because we know his impact comes on both ends of the floor. He's that legitimate third option that the Raptors didn't have last year against Cleveland. Uh, he's also a guy who, going back to how important defense will be in this series, clogging the, the paint and stopping guys like LeBron from getting to the rim. He's going to bring that toughness that I think you're going to need in a series against the Cavaliers. Yeah, I Serge Ibaka was my guy, and for the, a lot of things you said, mentioned, but you know, having that power forward to match up against Kevin Love, who can stretch out with him, but who can also be the weak side help defender if Kyrie gets in there, LeBron gets there. And I think with Serge, going to the question, it's like biggest impact in the series, I think P.J. Tucker will have a big impact, but you won't necessarily see it. I mean, if you're really paying attention to what he's doing to defensively on LeBron, mm -hmm. you know it's there, but he's not going to limit LeBron to eight points because then you could say he'd have the biggest impact. But his impact will definitely be felt. But I think as all those guys you mentioned, it's what they're going to do without the ball in their hands. How tough, how physical, how aggressive, how active they're going to be without the ball, whether right. they're defending or moving offensively. That's going to be key for all these guys. I think for this series, the Raptor, every Raptor needs to channel their inner angry version of themselves. Like, I like angry Damar. I like angry JV. I like well, PJ Tucker. He doesn't need to be angry PJ because I don't want to see what that would look like because he's already and what we need him to be. I, if they can all channel then their Then every, Ky their, every their version of Kyle is angry every, Kyle. Yeah, right? Exactly. If they can channel their inner angry version of themselves, I think that's what will help get under the skin of the Cavs. And I think, I think no matter what, it's going to be a fun series. And we'll hear more about that from Jack Armstrong as he'll join us at 1.30. Louis Skoll at 2 o'clock and Dave McMiniman will join us later on in the second hour to talk more Raptors. Cavs keep it locked right here on TSN 1050 and on the go on the iHeartRadio app. This is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. 
Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 Sport Check Studios. Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewenberg. Joining us now on the line, TSN Raptors analyst Jack Armstrong. Jack, how are you doing this afternoon? Megan, I'm great. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let's jump right into it. We know they closed out in Game 6 versus the Bucks, but now the task doesn't get any easier as they will take on King James and the Cavaliers. I'm going to just get it out of the way. Can you, do you think the Raptors can push the Cavs to seven games? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel, you know, I feel that the, this Raptor team has probably the best chance of the uh, four remaining, I mean, the four remaining, three remaining Eastern, Eastern teams, um, you know, to, to be that team that could push Cleveland to that point. I, I, I look at Boston, I look at Washington, and I think Cleveland, and maybe Washington could be that team as well. I don't think Boston can, but I, I do think probably Toronto and Washington are best equipped to potentially do it. So uh, the question is how they do it, and that's going to be the tough part. I think uh, the dynamics, I think all three of you are going to agree with me on this, the dynamics of beating Milwaukee are dramatically different than beating uh, Cleveland. I think, number one, Milwaukee's an outstanding defensive ball club. To score against them is really difficult because of their length, athleticism, uh, concise nature of their rotations and traps, and just the whole, the whole how hard they play. Uh, number two, uh, I, so I think offensively, you probably will be more comfortable playing against Cleveland's defense. On the other side, when you play Milwaukee, you're very pack-the-paint, protect-the-paint conscious and make them beat you from three. Uh, on the other side, when you play Cleveland, you've got to have integrity in terms of your defense in the paint and make sure uh, you know, you're protecting the paint to a degree. At the same time, you're playing the modern-day NBA style of basketball, and that is this is a team that in their sleep can get 120 every night, and they're going to take – you know, north of 33s, and they potentially uh, on, on any given night can not only take north of 43s, but can make north of 23s. So, uh, you know, it, it's a totally different dynamic. And by the way, they have the greatest player on the planet. Jack, when this season is all said and done and you look back on it, what needs to happen in this series for you to be able to say this was a successful year for the Raptors? Do they need to win and get back to where they got last year, the conference finals? Or would competing in this series, uh, making it a more hard-fought, competitive type of series than it was last year against Cleveland, be enough to be able to say that? I think both of these teams are different than what they were a year ago. Obviously, the Cavs... Um, I, I think kind of cut bored for a while, and now, uh, they, but they've made some real good additions in Kyle Corver and Darren Williams. Uh, they're healthy, they're rested, they're prepared, so they're very good. Yet they underachieved because they didn't get the first seed. Uh, on the other hand, I think when you look at the Raptors, we haven't seen this Raptor team uh, with PJ Tucker and Serge Ibaka. Uh, and Norman Powell kind of in place of what Terrence Ross did uh, to a degree. And, uh, you know, uh, Raptors' Bismack Biombo was a big factor a year ago. Now you have Jonas Valanciunas uh, instead of him. And Jonas was obviously hurt last year in the games that he did play against Cleveland. 
you know, so it's it's a different. So I don't know what to expect. Uh, I, I I do you know kind of expect that the Raptors. I think we all agree they're better. They're better, uh, or they should be better than that team, or any of the teams they've had here since 2001. But same as 2001, they now have to play the toughest opponent in the semis, the Sixers in 2001, who ended up going to the NBA Finals, and now the Cavs in 2017. So. Um, I think the Raptors are good enough to give them a run. Can they win this series? They're going to have to play really, really, really well on both sides of the ball. Perfect? No, they don't have to play perfect. But they got to play really well. Well, Jack, we were talking about saying that they basically have to play the best basketball they can to make this a series. And there's a number of things that they have to do. But what do you think is the most key thing this team has to do to make this a competitive series? with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Uh, a few things, uh, Dwayne. I think in order to make this, uh, you know, to really play at a high level, I think, number one, uh, they, they, their offensive efficiency has got to be excellent. Their ball movement, the shot selection, the ball protection, uh, they've got to be stellar. You're playing an elite, world-class offense. Yeah, they have LeBron, as I mentioned earlier, the, great player, the greatest player on the planet. They got Kyrie, who's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, you got Kevin Love, who can kill you on the perimeter, who can kill you inside, and he's a rebounding horse. Uh, and then you got Fry, who was a real tough matchup for the Raptors a year ago. Uh, and, and then you got, you know, you add Darren Williams, who doesn't have to be a point guard anymore at this stage of his life. He can just play off the ball, and he, he can still score. He can create. Kyle Corver, one of the greatest shooters we have ever seen in the league. And, uh, you know, I mean, and you have good solid defenders in Shumpert and J.R. Smith, uh, well-coached. You know, everyone understands and respects their role. So you got to be real good offensively against this team. you got to be, you know, I, as I, I've said many times already leading into the series, Cleveland in their sleep can drop 120 points. So uh, if that happens, can you get 121? And, you know, based upon what we've seen from this Raptor offense, are they good enough to get 121 a night? <laughs> that might be what they need to do. And on the other hand, you know, and you could talk all you want about your defense. You better be able to score. You better be able to keep up, and you better be able to sustain it. You can't go through major droughts like we saw in Game Six, where they completely lost their uh, togetherness offensively, and they quite frankly played soft offensively. And and then the other side defensively, can you chase people off the line defensively? Can you get back in transition and get to people? Uh, and, and can you just do it in a way where you're sound and you rotate players in and out and, and not having uh, defensive breakdowns in terms of communication? And I'll say this, too. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are offensive elite players. They have to play at a higher level defensively. Um, they have to be able to do a better job in their own assignments so that other people aren't scrambling to help them. Jack, as you mentioned, uh, this Cavaliers team is obviously a very different type of team than Milwaukee. They start pretty big with Tristan and, and Kevin Love. My guess would be that Norm Powell goes back to the bench, that you start Valanchunas and match him up with Tristan. Uh, and, and assuming that's the case, the, the question is, how does Norm figure into this series? Uh, so how do you see him being used here? He's got to figure into the series because 
you know, when you traded Terrence Ross and that first-round pick for Serge Ibaka, which was an excellent trade, what you had then was a void created by Terrence's loss. And what did Terrence bring you? Two things. He was a sound defender, and he could shoot the three. Well, those are the two things Norman Powell can bring. And I've been saying for weeks on end that he's got to play because you don't have enough perimeter defense and you don't have enough three-point shot making without him on the floor. And in order to beat the Cavs, you're not going to win games 91-90. I'm sorry. Uh, you, could, you know, it's, that's not happening. You're going to have to win games likely, you know, 109-108 and potentially 119-118. It could be 124-123. So you've got to have really good offensive players who can also defend for you. So somehow, some way, they got to find a role for them. And, yeah, you can get concerned with matching Cleveland with Tristan and, and Kevin Love, and I see that. But I think there are times where you got to dictate to them how the game's going to be played. And, uh, you, know, the, you know, the Raptors aren't the greatest defensive rebounding team. They should be better uh, than they show sometimes. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I think a guy like P.J. Tucker can guard Kevin Love and Serge can guard Tristan Thompson. Um, you know, and on other times, yeah, you do, you do need to pound them inside with Valanciunas. And uh, I thought he, he accepted his role coming off the bench, and I think he's totally open to whatever Dwayne Casey asked him to do. And, and I think last but not least, uh, I, I think in this series, the Raptors got to look like the team that's better coached. And that puts pressure on Dwayne Casey and his staff. But again, if you're going to beat the Cavs, you got to beat them in all phases of the game. You got to beat them and be a real good offensive team. Your defense has got to be so much better than theirs, and it should be. And then, last but not least, from a tactical perspective, uh, Dwayne Casey's been in this business a lot longer as a head coach and even as an assistant coach, collegiate, pro, overseas, than Tyron Lue. He's got to outcoach him. Jack, you may have answered this question already, but um, who do you feel is going to be that Raptors X factor in this series? The X factor in the series. Well, if I look at Cleveland first, I'm going to I'm going to go Darren Williams and Kyle Korver. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm giving you two, but I think those guys are uh, polished veteran offensive players who played in big games and are real good. And I think they can play off the greatness of LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin. So. Those, you know, those guys on that end. Uh, I think on the Raptor end, uh, since I'm going with two for, uh, for uh, Cleveland, I'll go with two for Toronto. Uh, Patrick Patterson, I really like what I've seen from him in the last few games. I think he's uh, a tough guy. Uh, you can trust him. He plays hard. He gives a tee on the defensive end. And when things got a little crazy the other night in Milwaukee, he was one of your more – stable, calmer guys out on the floor. And number two, as uh, you guys mentioned before, Norman Powell. I, I think you've got to have you got to have a young wild card in a series who can break one game open offensively and, uh, again, within the confines of the offense. And, and on the other side, be a guy that can be a stout defender. So those would be uh, the four guys, the two X-factors on both sides. Jack, I know you said Coach Casey has to, to show his experience in coaching um, over Coach Lou, but you're a former coach. If, if you're Coach Casey, what adjustments 
when you look back at you know the deficit they gave up in game six what adjustments do you have to make in order to try and solidify that that doesn't happen if you get a big lead against this Cavs team I think you got you got to, I, I think it could be the greatest thing that ever happened to the Megan uh, because it's happened already and now you got to draw on this experience of what took place and talk to your team about hey fellas we've been here before uh, this crowd's no more intimidating than Milwaukee's crowd. And quite frankly, our, their defense, Milwaukee's, is better than anything Cleveland will throw at you. Uh, Cleveland doesn't have defensively what uh, Milwaukee has. So stay calm and trust each other. And I think uh, there was enough frustration that players had with each other, and some of them were making cryptic comments uh, after the game saying, well, we stopped trusting what we were doing. We stopped trusting the ball movement. You know who they're pointing fingers at. And, uh, you know, so I think now it's on Coach Casey and his staff in the next few days in their prep, both practice, uh, walkthroughs, video sessions, uh, team meetings, uh, talking one-on-one, man-to-man with each player about their roles and expectations that, you know, hey, this is how we're going to play. And, you know, the Raptors might be up nine in a game, and you know Cleveland's going to throw a 7-0 run at you. Well, that next possession, you know, it's got to be five as one. you got to be the better coached team. you got to look like the more disciplined team. You know, I, I, I use the comparison. A year ago, Villanova knocks off North Carolina in the NCAA championship game, a great game. Now, again, it's the NCAA. It's only one game. You have to do it. In, in this league, you got to do it four times. But to anyone who watched that game could tell you that North Carolina had much more talent than Villanova. But Villanova was so much sounder on both sides of the ball than Carolina. Toronto's got to look like that team. All right, Jack, thanks so much for your input. We appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you as we have all four games right here on TSN 1050. Megan, Dwayne, Josh, my pleasure. Thanks. Have a, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Before we go to break, I found it interesting. Jack might have given us a, a, a nugget there. PJ, Damare, Serge, Kyle, and Damare as your starting lineup. I think that's a lineup that Coach Casey could use in the game. I don't necessarily think he's going to start that lineup, though. No? No. No, I, I, so, so you're saying no JV? If, if, if Coach Casey decides to keep JV off the bench. I don't, I don't, I don't see why I don't you would do that because the Cavaliers bring a gentleman by the name of Channing Frye off the bench who has burned JV in the past, and players like Channing Frye have burned JV in the past. It's the opposite of, of what he was facing in Milwaukee where you needed him to match up with the guy in the second unit, Greg Monroe. Here they start big. You need him against Tristan Thompson and you, the, the, in the, the other direction, the other side of the coin, you probably want to yank him out of the game the second that Channing Fry comes in. So I, I think you start big. You start the way that you normally do. Again, I think you trust Damari Carroll, but you, you understand that the, the hook has to be quick if, if things aren't going well. And you almost platoon P.J. Tucker and Damari Carroll with yeah. probably P.J. Tucker playing more and, and more often at the end of games um, guarding LeBron James. I so, don't know why you would want to waste uh, the P.J. Tucker minutes sticking him on Kevin Love where you probably don't need as physical of a defender against Kevin Love. 
We continue on here. Luis Scola will join us at 2 p.m. We'll talk more Raptors and Cavs as we get you set for the second round as game one will go Monday at 7 o'clock right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back to home court right here on TSN 1050. Steps from the Air Canada Centre, Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewenberg. And the same night the Raptors close out the Milwaukee Bucks, they're baby Raptors, as I like to call them, or the Raptors 905, make history for MLSE, their first championship uh, since they took ownership of Leafs, Marlies, Raptors, and all that jazz that goes with MLSE. They win the 2017 NBA D-League championship. Pascal Siakam was named the championship MVP. Uh, Fred Van Vliet had himself a heck of a game. Coach Stackhouse was named Coach of the Year. They Bruno. had a couple All-Stars. And that's Bruno, Bruno. That, that's, I was that's leading you guys I know, into it. I was waiting. I, it, was the, it was the climax of the conversation that I was leading you guys to. Well, you're going to keep talking. And although Fred what, had... 31 points for Bruno? Al, yeah. Although Fred had himself a heck of a game, I've never seen Bruno play start to finish for 48 minutes the way that he played. He was locked in. Big game like player. Nobody's business. <laughs> and to have the game of your life in literally the last game of the season when your backs are against the wall, the timing was perfect. The only thing is, He's I just, just wish there was another game after it to see if we could duplicate it and see if that's if that was if that was the turning point for He's Bruno. He's just been hustling everybody for three years. <laughs> exactly. Building, building to this moment. <laughs> there you this go. Moment. What their own points, ten rebounds, four blocks, right? Mm -hmm. And it was he was locked in like even even during like his pregame warm-ups when they were on the floor, like he was normally like he's smiling and having fun. He was kind of like there was a couple times I I caught him like just dancing to the music a bit when they were just finishing up their their um, him Pascal and, and C J Leslie their warm-up group. Uh, but he had a look in his eyes that I haven't really seen from him Ever. before, <laughs> and it looked like he was like no like this is this is my moment and I'm taking okay, it. So we, we joke and yeah. we joke and and now that the season's over, I'm not even gonna say that he's one year away. Right. I'm not gonna make that joke. Of course, I'm not gonna make that joke. Who would make that joke? <laughs> uh, we joke, but I, I think Megan can speak to this, having seen him all year. Um, th the progress hasn't necessarily always been noticeable, but. He, he's making it. He, he's taking those steps. He has gotten a lot more comfortable this year in the, 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 the games, the times that I've seen him. He's a little bit less dazed and confused on the court, especially defensively where I think he's taken his biggest step. Th this is going to be a huge summer for him. Yes. Um, getting ready and prepared for what's going to be a crucial season for yeah. him next year, wherever he is, whether it's with the nine. I guess he, well, he's going to have to uh, approve any... Oh, yeah, assignments right. to the D-League next year uh, now that he's had three years of experience in the though. NBA. He's going to have to uh, approve it. So that's going to be interesting. I, I wonder how he's used um, and I, I guess how he wants to be used because now he's going to have a say in it. Well, he had a great finish, which was fantastic. It's good to see that growth and positivity, but he needs to show that he could be a consistent contributor at that level and before he can even look at being in the NBA situation. So I think um, that's a great springboard, but can he play? Because what was he averaging, like six points a game this year or whatever? It was, it, it, it was like right around like that six, seven, eight mark because there was, there was like spurts where he would have really good scoring games and then he would, he would go dry on, on the points, total, but he would still be having impact in other ways. So the, the, I don't, when it comes to him and, and talking about his growth, I don't want to just keep looking at, I don't like looking at the numbers because I have seen it for my own eyes. Even just this season alone, he has taken 
enormous strides in what he's been able to do. And I think for him to be able to play at the NBA level and be useful on a team, it has to be the defense. And I think yeah. he's finally bought into the fact that I have a seven-foot wingspan. I need to use it to my advantage. From my barometer of the D-Wig, and it could be skewed, but I kind of look at like a guy like Pascal Siakam is a perfect example where you're not like killing in the NBA. He's an NBA player. When he goes to D-League, he dominates. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel Bruno has to start not even dominating. He has to be like a guy you can look at, um, even from a number standpoint, to say, okay, he can find his spot in the NBA. And I think he still has to achieve that. And I think that's kind of the, the key for, for me to say he could be like, you know, at the end of the bench in the NBA before if he could shoot it. Well, that's a good point. Although he has taken positive strides this year, what the Raptors wanted, what they expected from him this year is to play in the D League and dominate. Uh, yeah. to, for, for that game that we saw the other day in the championship game to, to be basically his entire season, whether it's, again, maybe it's not 31 points, but that he, he has a massive impact on these D-League games one way or the other. And, yeah. and I'm not sure that they've seen enough of that. So the, the organization's in a tricky spot with Bruno now. They've picked up his option for, for next year. Next year is the final year yeah. of his rookie contract. And then what do you do? Where do you go with him? There's uh, some two-way contract options to, to yeah. look at in the new CBA. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that they've seen enough of him to really invest one way or the other or make a decision on, on what his future is here with Toronto. It definitely will be interesting. And coming up after the break, former Toronto Raptor, we will get his insight when it comes to this matchup. Cleveland, Toronto, 2.0. We go again. It's a little earlier than what it was last year, but we will definitely like to talk to him about what he saw this year and what he expects to see what? last year, and that is Luis Scola. One of the NBA's good guys. One in my time covering the NBA, probably along, along with Jose Calderon, one of the best dudes I've had the pleasure of being around. Genuine, humble, generous with his time, as obviously he has been yes. with us uh, again today. Uh, and a guy, I think, who paid major dividends last year for the Raptors in terms of his leadership off the court. We continue on. Keep it locked right here on TSN 1050.